All right, let me, quick introduction, just so you know who Mark and Elaine are. Many of you may know them already. Mark and Elaine are veteran disciples. They've been around forever. Um, X, not X2, more like X4. Uh, no, they, uh, they've, been, they've been married for 40 years, right? This year, 40 years, is that right? They became disciples yes. at, at, after, you know, as, as a married couple um years ago I, I don't know how many how many years maybe you can share it's at least probably 30 right 30 plus years that you've been disciples mm-hmm. uh originally they were in the, 34 originally they you guys were in the westchester ministry of the new york city church even though you lived in rockland county there was no rockland ministry mm-hmm. back then uh i remember mm-hmm. i was a young single man and i that's when i got to know them um but uh they would commute from rockland to westchester for church and then eventually when when we started the New York City Church started a Hudson Valley ministry uh, back in the 90s. They were, of course, the first people there because they lived there. So they've been a part of that ministry forever. Um, and then just recently, after Mark retired, after many years of um, uh, uh, working uh, a family-owned uh, HVAC company, um, and they moved to, um, to the Central Jersey Church. Elaine is a nutrition, uh, nutritionist. Did I, did I say that right? Um, nutritionist nutritionist thank you so she's got she's got not just spiritual advice but physical advice too um but they are now part of the central jersey church they have three grown daughters um one of them lives in brooklyn the other two live with them there in uh in that area in the central jersey area one lives i think right next door um they're all their daughters are married and um they have now three they just had their third grand baby right? Just last month. In fact, they were going to speak last month and we had to postpone it because <laughs> of a grandbaby incident. Um, so, uh, no, so we're really, we're happy for you guys. And they're, they're just, we've asked them just to share wisdom. You know, they've, they've, they've seen so much, done so much. So, so we've just, we asked said, Hey, you know, we have an hour together here. Uh, if you could just share, you know, things from the other side. I know you're never really done parenting, even when your kids are older, but what are some things that you could you, you, you maybe do differently, things that you definitely did right? You know, just some wisdom of seasoned disciples and, and who are parents. So I think what we're going to do is you guys are going to share for a little while, right? And then we'll save yep. the last 15 minutes, like around 1045. They want to do a Q&A as well. So if you do have questions, save them. Um, write them down, hold on to them, and then we'll, uh, we'll have some discussion here and try to wrap things up by 11. So, all right. I think I covered everything. Oh, oh let me just say this. Leslie and I love these guys. That's another thing. We love these. We've known them for 20 plus years and we have nothing but love and respect for you guys, Mark and Elaine. And so grateful that you guys take, take some time today to, uh, to share some wisdom with us. So, all right. Thank all you, yours. Thank you. Thank you guys. We're really excited uh, to share our lives with you today. When Phil and Leslie first invited us to share for this Devo, I asked Leslie, why us? And she said, well, I think you guys went through so many experiences and you didn't quit on each other or the church and it would have been justified. And while that is all true, um, but we're not, we're not parenting experts. And um, honestly, we've really never even done anything like this before. So this is new for us. Um, Part of it we've typed out so we can stay on target. And um, part of it, uh, we wanna make sure to um, just have a conversation. You know, Mark and I recently started facilitating 
uh, class for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And um, a good part of our discussion today is going to touch on mental illness. Um, some of it serious mental illness and, um, and some of it just the consequence of sin, transgression, inequity, and all of those other things. So um, the class was really fantastic. We just finished it up and it is really a support class for people who are trying to support a loved one with a serious mental illness. It really helped us to see the value of having a compelling conversation. So, you know, we want to share our lives with you today, but we want to make sure that we leave plenty of time to have that conversation with you this morning. I think that um, it's, it will more than just a Q&A. I don't want you to think of it as a Q&A. I want you to think of, know your thoughts and your, your feelings. So we hope that by sharing our stories, um, your faith may be strengthened or at least leave you with more hope. Each of us is going to share some of the lessons we learned about raising a family and um, also some rock solid decisions we made along the way. So like Phil said, we have three daughters. They're all in their 30s. Um, I really appreciate you guys letting us know kind of like where you're coming from. I see a lot of your children are in that age range. Um, so our kids are all married and we do have the three grandbabies. And we live within very close proximity to them. We all see each other frequently. And our children have come to be best for each other, which they have fostered themselves since their late teens. I want you to know this about them because their childhood was tumultuous. It could have easily gone the other way. And I believe that some of the decisions we made early on built a solid foundation for them. They were not the easier choice to make. And like Leslie said, the easier choice would have been justified. In the book, Good Enough Parenting, I learned the parenting style that I experienced as a child was best described as aloof and alone. My parents failed to parent beyond providing food and shelter. To their credit, they were not physically abusive, but there was very little affectionate behavior, no hugs. And their advice was a saying that they grew up with, you make your bed, you sleep in it. I did not know what any of the fruits of the spirit would look like, sound like, or feel like. I only knew consequence. So at 18, I left home with a man nearly twice my age, who I had met in a bar. I understood the weight of consequences. When I learned about Jesus, no one had to tell me what sin was or about the weight of sin that he so graciously took from me. But I was by then in my 30s, I was married, and I had a baby. I only knew, sorry, I can't see. 
You have a tissue? I have tissues. <laughs> I probably might need one too. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <clears throat> that was the hardest part. Um, I only knew his grace. I didn't know what to do with the anger that raged inside of me. Neither did I know how to read the Bible. And there were no apps and no podcasts to learn from. We had what everybody else had, the minister and his wife, a Bible talk, an NIV, and a couple of good books. One of them was Raising Awesome Kids <laughs> by Sam Lang, which somebody mentioned. So, you know, my mom had died two years before I had children. And my father, just prior to her death, suffered a psychotic break while in a deep depression that required hospitalization and electric shock therapy. And it took away his memory of my mother and his children. So when our children were babies, he married a woman who was also psychologically disabled and abusive. They were my children's my sibling who is living close enough for me um, for us to have a relationship she very likely had an undiagnosed psychological disability as well it's enough to say that uh, she was difficult to be around but her life was almost always in turmoil and I had to be there for her and her six children Often I would have to travel with and without my family to see my father or sister through crisis. During this time, I had health issues that would require hospitalizations for weeks. The first time I was hospitalized, I was in my third, which I firmly feel was the trigger for the psychological disability that was noticeable in my child's behavior very early on. She would not receive a diagnosis of manic depressive disorder until she was 18. This dear child lived in a sta state of mania for nearly her whole childhood, and it took a toll on us and her siblings. I had managed to get a college degree in science and dietetics just prior to having my first daughter. But having lost the benefit of building a career in my 20s, I had to go back to work when they were three months old. Without family support, I had to rely on everything. I had only a couple of stable friendships, but they were strained by our divergence from the religious faith that we were raised in. For the most part, relationships in the church were hurting more than helping. There was much dissonance between what I saw in the scriptures about how a disciple acts towards others and the way people were acting in the church. The truth is, I didn't have time for friendships as I was drowning myself. I did not know how to be a friend and I was independent enough to be determined to figure it out on my own. The reality was that who on earth could have helped me during that time? It was too much for me to dump on a kind-hearted person who was willing to listen. And my mother taught me, don't spit in the water, you may have to drink it. 
Fortunately, God can work with a mess. Nothing is impossible for him. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, um, thank you. Um, the best of us is a mess. <laughs> That's my uh, saying. So I grew up in a family with a very strong work ethic. But I really didn't understand all the things my mom and dad tried to teach us. They would tell us, do unto others as you would like done unto you. Unfortunately, things look good from the inside. I never felt like my parents got along very well. My dad would work hard and would have good times, but often my parents would have a shouting match and then would not talk to each other for weeks. It would be an atmosphere for me that was very difficult to experience. It would cast a shadow over the whole family and hurt emotionally. Inevitably, I carried that type of moment into my marriage. The do what I say, not what I do, was really the lesson I took away from my early years. From a very young age, I was exposed to pornography and really had very little respect for women. The attitude toward women was that they were a sex object and not much more. I did not have any connection emotionally or care for others. Really, it was all about me and my needs and my desires. The reason I was working a night shift was because I had treated my girlfriend of five years so badly that she broke up with me. I was heartbroken and I needed to figure out life. So um, I was an arrogant, uncaring boy who needed to figure out life, really. That was when I met Elaine. She also was trying to figure things out. Somehow, we were able to become friends despite and my ugly and selfish side. So fast forward to getting married and raising kids. I had no clue what I was doing, and I did not know God or even read the Bible. My only desire was my belly and my satisfaction. I was so prideful you could cut it with a knife. When I studied the Bible with the guys, they had Elaine write a letter to me to help me to see my sin. I was totally blindsided and could not believe what I read. God was working on me. After this, our marriage had a rawness, and it seemed every time we went to church, the sermon was preached just about me, and it usually brought me to tears. Um, so um, I worked with my two brothers and my dad in a family business. When I decided to change faith and become a disciple, my family thought I hated them and could not fathom why I was doing what I did. Truly, I had to count the cost when it came to family. There were so many challenges. They would always plan parties on Sunday, and we had to miss them for whatever reason. Church was usually down in the city at the Beacon Theater, about 45 minutes to an hour away from where we lived. We moved to Westchester from Rock County to be closer to the church and the relationships we had formed. My family thought I was insane. Then came the children. At the same time, we were uh, had been married for six years. My father was six months old when we studied the Bible. I did not treat my wife well. Our journey was difficult at best. She was in charge of the baby, dinner, and me. I worked and expected her to do everything else. Needless to say, that did not go well. I would expect perfection, and if not, I would not talk to her for weeks 
over the smallest thing, cold shoulder punishment. How our children made it out was only because of God, his spirit, and my wife's commitment to the Bible and being a disciple of Christ. I was not leading. I was obstructing. I wasn't. It wasn't until I got kicked out of my home that I learned that I really needed God, my wife, and my children. Thank God he broke through my piousness and selfishness. Recently, I've done a communion where I looked at what the character of the Bible I would compare myself to. And the character that I came up with was Samson. It wasn't because of my physical strength, but because of my lack of spiritual strength. Once you realize who you are, you can change it. It's important to really look at, look at, at what you are in front of God, because he will give you the moral strength to change. I think that's the one thing that might have helped my children to understand God better. Somehow my ability to change was evident to my children and they saw it. They saw it happen. They would tell me something about my character. I would change it and then apologize. Apologies are great, but change is better. Your children know the difference. They see it. My desire to be a better example to my children help guide them. Thank you. So, we want to share a little bit now about, you know, what were really some good, solid decisions that we made and what our family looked like. So we want to, um, so in writing down my thoughts, these are the points that became clear to me that I believe made a difference in our home, how to have a more peaceful home. One, your spouse is your ally. God is trustworthy. Do not, too, do not succumb to fear, even though faith or trust may not feel like the saner choice. Three, be brought to maturity in regard to love. Consequences do not substitute for it. Four, give others the benefit of the doubt. So how can you make peace in your home when there is little trust between husband and wife? When your spouse is more of an adversary than an ally. The relationship between the Hebrews when wandering in the desert and the God who led them there was no different. They trusted God little and God seemed more like an adversary than an ally to them. But God was not without his intentions when he revealed to them in Deuteronomy 8 to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. They wandered 40 years. Mark and I have been married 40 years this July. The way I see it, God was using Mark to expose my heart and test my vow to keep his commands. Mark is only now understanding how to be my trustworthy ally. I did not need to trust my husband fully to stand steadfast in my marriage and make my home peaceful. I only needed to trust God fully. That he had my best interest in mind. My parents had failed to parent me, but God was discipling me as he would his own child. He is my rock. He sees me and he knows me by name. What choices would you make in your home if you were to believe this with certainty?
We read in Hebrews 11 that trusting or faith is being confident of what we hope for and convinced about things we do not see. Convinced about things we do not see can also be a definition of insanity. The Apostle Peter teaches, this is how the holy women of the past who put their hope in God to adorn themselves in Sinaham, honoring him as her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not succumb to fear. Sarah could have chosen not to honor Abram as her Lord. And based on some of the in the story, she would have been justified. Is fear at the core of the choices you make? Does it seem justified when you choose not to let your husband lead you or let God lead you? Do you pack your children's schedule and push them to achieve out of fear that they will not earn a scholarship or be an introvert with few friends? The list of things we fear could fill a journal. Choosing not to base my emotionals, my emotions on my fears was a rock solid decision, even though letting my husband lead felt like an insane thing to do at the time. If you rely on consequences as a form of punishment, be careful. You may get burned. One day your child may be deciding on the consequences you deserve as punishment for all the times you wronged them. The Apostle John tells us there is no fear in love. On the contrary, love that has achieved its goal gets rid of fear because fear has to do with punishment. The person who keeps fearing has not been brought to maturity in regard to love. That's 1 John 4.18. Are you stuck on finding consequences for every bad behavior you see in your children? Are you afraid that their bad behavior will make you look like a bad parent or worse, ruin their life? Make it your goal in parenting to get rid of fear. Don't rely on punishment. It breeds bitterness. Make it your goal and parent. Oh, I'm sorry. Life ensures that your children will experience the consequences of their actions. What they need from you is to experience what love looks like, sounds like, and feels like. The mantra when the girls were young was that children need the first time. And many parents struggle with feeling disrespected by their kids. Respect comes from a feeling of deep admiration of the qualities of another. Your children will respect you and obey you as you love them. But how can a young person even know how to show respect? Yet we demand respect and obedience in our home and use consequences as a way to get it. Consequences happen, but we don't get to decide what they will be. The danger of overusing consequences is your child will learn that consequences trump love. love. Our younger daughter, who I mentioned earlier, provoked Mark and I daily with harsh words 
and extreme emotions from the time she learned to speak. My family did not understand how I did not demand she show me more respect. It was not in her wheelhouse. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I found enough self-control to be a model of patience and kindness to her. She respects me now, and her heart is healed by the love she was given when she was hard to love. Are the fruits of the Spirit written on your heart? Do you know them like your life depends on it? Your child is depending on it. Modeling love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control was a rock-solid decision. My oldest daughter wrote, that is how we counteracted the sin in our home. Again, the Apostle John told us, for if a person does not love their brother or sister whom they see, then they cannot love God who they have not seen. Yes, this is the command we have from him. Whoever loves God must love their brother and sister too. 1 John 4.20 I mentioned earlier that relationships in the church were hurting more than helping. I had many reasons to quit church that spanned decades. And truthfully, no one would blame me. For better or worse, I had chosen to run away from my problems when I was 18. And that did not go well for me. Perhaps that is why I always thought that choosing to leave was not the way to go. Difficult relationships were the only relationships I had. I was determined to become hard-headed, not hard-hearted. The hardest part for me was letting go of the hurt. Really, I just wanted the person who hurt me to hurt because I was hurt. Jesus didn't come to hurt us in retribution for the many ways we hurt God. Who am I to hold back forgiveness? I know that one of the most important lessons my children say they learned from us was to give people the benefit of the doubt. That was a rock solid decision we made. So what did all this look like in our home? We chose not to yell at each other. I chose not to overreact to provoking behavior from my husband or the kids. Choosing to be patient and kind as much as is humanly possible. And we worked hard on putting the fun back in dysfunctional. Our kids had a dress up wardrobe that was enviable. The TV was off and we encouraged them to use their imagination. They read books made their own movies, explored the outside with the neighbors. We went on many adventures as a family. Sometimes instead of church functions, we all together. And of course, always a pinch of turmoil in everything we did. But there was enough love along with every spiritual fruit to cover over it. Because they had received mercy, they were able to forgive us and themselves rather than look for vengeance or worse. Quit on the together. Thank you. Well, <laughs> uh, um, I'd like to share some things that I've learned my children and obviously my wife. Blame shifting, bullying, belittling, sarcasm and betraying most of these character traits have to do with what i uh what i watched recently uh and what i want to 
kind of frame my talk on. Uh, it was a TED talk by a woman named Benet Brown. Uh, it really helped me to see and how to build trust again with my wife. And her, uh, she called it braving. And that acronym stands for boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgmental, and generosity. So that's braving. So setting boundaries, um, you know, you don't act negatively. I don't want to make Elaine and the kids feel stupid, correcting them all the time. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Setting boundaries was a very important thing. Um, being reliable to do what you discuss, let your yes be yes. As far as changing a trait, not only, but making it a good habit, being accountable and extending grace. When you come to a decision, think about how you will follow through with your change. Our responsibility is not only to the bills and to the household stuff, but addressing our children's emotional and spiritual needs. Vault, things that you hold sacred between you and your spouse, stay that way. There should be a trust that, you, that will help you not to embarrass each other. Always bring your concerns to God first in prayer. Um, integrity. My integrity had been a, a large issue. I've had a hard time being held accountable, and I'm ashamed of my past. I, I, must, I must be trustworthy and desire that Satan not get a foothold. Non-judgmental, non sorry. <laughs> Being non-judgmental is a huge thing. I'm always looking to place blame. I want to justify myself. It's funny. One of the sayings my dad had is, you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. I think we need to have good things to say. And that there's always something positive to say to our children. Definitely. They definitely see our response. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Generosity is, is always a challenge, um, especially when it comes to empathy and compassion and giving others the benefit of the doubt, especially your children. A way of thinking that helped us was we were making deposits in an emotional savings bank, a savings account. We make, you make more encouragement deposits so that when you make a withdrawal, it's less painful. In church, you will hear it preach that we need to be vulnerable. If we aren't able to create an environment of trust in our family, our children will suffer. The way God treats us with grace is how we need to treat our children. The same grace we give our children when we are at church is what we should aim for at home. Who are we at home is crucial. We need to be consistent. Something that helped us is using positive words. Uh, in the kitchen cabinet, we had words on it, and uh, we used daily because we opened that cabinet every day, and we had a little joke going because one of the words was outstanding, and we would say to the to each other, "You are outstanding in the rain," and it became a challenge for us to use these words. Um, we had devotionals. The one that we did that really was neat was uh, we grew it, we drew an apple tree, and we taped it to the wall, and then we had fruit that we would put on it, the tree, if we were caught acting uh, with one of the fruits of the spirit. Elaine and I would be included and our kids would award us with that fruit. 
One of the boundaries that I had put in place when my children were young, because of my inability to control myself, was to eliminate TV, cable TV, really television altogether. Disney was allowed, and video. It seems like my children profited from that. We we didn't have iPads and all the kind of stuff we have today, but TV was our primary inter entertainment source. We had to come up with innovative ways to use our time with our when we were together. We played games. We used that time wisely. I gave my children adventures. My daughter, Allie, has all those movies to this day. Bullying your children is how we get what we want and usually comes across with yelling, screaming at our children. After I would bully my children, I felt horrible. I would try to justify myself. Luckily, the scripture, love covers over a multitude of sins, helped me forgive myself. I believe my youngest daughter, who suffered from, suffered from a mental illness, was truly very a very difficult situation for me to handle. I wanted to be listened to and respected. And she would not do that. I had to work through a lot of feelings. The answer ultimately came down to me not taking what she was saying and doing personally and allowing her the time to work through what she was going through. Then seeking to understand instead of being understood. Belittling goes hand in hand with bullying in your child's life. Of your, well, they will test the limits of your... I remember trying to teach my children the multiplication tables, and it was so difficult. One child would get it, and the other one could not even do memorization. I would not be a patient teacher and a loving father that was required in that situation. You will find that even teaching your children to drive can be a challenging and really pull on your true character. <laughs> um, the scriptures we use to help our children to talk to each other uh, was key. Proverbs 26, 18, like, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives her neighbor and says, I was only joking. Um, likewise, James 3, 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great bones. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I'm sure with recent events, you can see the devastation that will, that has affected everyone. Fail <laughs> is more of an issue, relationship difficulties, and the eroded trust, which is very hard to rebuild. When you're always second-guessing the motives of your spouse, Elaine and I did not often argue in front of the children. We usually would wait till we went to bed, and then we'd have our meltdown. One time we had a blowout in front of them, and they were all crying. Their biggest fear was that we were going to get a divorce. That was just from one argument, and they saw that they saw. They knew where it leads. Setting the tone for your house is crucial to your children enjoying living with you. We tried to make the household fun and not full of rules. I'll never forget one Father's Day we were trying to plant flowers. That was my plan with my children. Well, this Father's Day it was raining, but it was still warm outside, so we went out and planted in the rain. 
our neighbor's kids were sort of our kids too. So we all ended up getting into a giant waterfall. And uh, one of the things that is important is flexibility and spontaneity. That is a father's gift to his children. Uh, on a regular basis, I would cook breakfast on Saturday. I would convert our kitchen into a cafe named Mrs. Green's. I'd wear a mask and an apron. I made menus. I came up with something called the snake pancake. I would put a little food coloring in the farina and the eggs and, and made an enjoyable tradition. It was a great bonding time for me with my girls. Being too busy to bond with your kids, with my kids, speaks volumes. Years later, when our girls were older, Elaine and I had planned a trip to Mexico just for her and I. Our children wanted to come with us. We did not expect that. It was an amazing trip. There was a book with our kids when they were young. It was called The Three Trees. I don't know if any of you have ever read it. It's a great book. For Thanksgiving every year, we hiked at the top of our mountain. And we found three pine trees that we ended up carving our kids' initials in the trees. It became a tradition. We even buried a time capsule up there and opened it up 10 years later. We brought our married daughters and their spouses one year and prayed for their futures. For us, we could have ended our relationship with each other many times. For God, even. We could have ended our relationship. But we wanted to sacrifice the easy for the hard. Do it God's way. Not to give in to our demons and the evil forces that surround us. That would have given them the victory. Thank you.